Hello, beautiful people. Welcome to Fan Side, the podcast for all those complex and complicated conversations about the gray areas in our lives. I'm willing to respect my elders right up until the fuck shit starts. Jared Hill. <laughs> and I am entertainment journalist and editor Travel Anderson. All right. So coming up on the show today, we are going to get into, you just heard it from Jared, that little statement that we always hear, respect your elders, dot, dot, dot. Okay, but first we have a tough question for you. This is our segment that we do when one of us or perhaps one of you have a question that needs some pondering. Today's question is actually something that Jared and I are allegedly going through right now. Um, And it's all about being an accountability partner. So you and I, Jared, have allegedly began working on our fitness journeys again um, for the umpteenth time. Uh, and Wow. What? Bring up all that trauma right at the top of the show. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, when we were talking the other day, I believe it was you who was like, do you want to be my accountability partner? Do you want to be accountability partners? But like that often okay, just Okay, feels... so I did not ask you, <laughs> I did not ask you like it was on a note in class, like check yes or check no. Yes! Like, bitch, like that's not, that is not what happens, okay? Well, so often this... that feels like something, right, that people say when, when you know, they want to be helpful, but like not really. Like, do you want to be an accountability partner? Do you want me to be your accountability partner? So we wanted to chat through this question. What makes an actual like good accountability partner? Well, this started for me, one, because I'm just trying to get more active because I think that I'm starting to feel the effects of, like, how inactive I've been since being in quarantine. Like, I'm always feeling tired and sluggish and, like, obviously I've gained some weight and, like, I just want to start moving around a little bit more. Um, And so I'm trying to get into that a little bit better. And so a friend of mine, though, like maybe a month ago, Um, asked me to be an accountability partner for a creative project. And I was saying, okay, well, when is it supposed to be due? And they gave me the date. And then like a week before the date came, they were like, okay, I actually need to move the date because work stuff, we need to move it to this other date. And I was like, okay, so that's fine. And then that date started getting closer and closer. And then they were like, I need to move it back a month because I just don't have time and blah, 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 blah. And so then I said, okay, pause. How do you want me to support you right now as your accountability partner? Because we've now moved this goalpost twice in three weeks. And, you know, I'm not judging. I get it. Like, trust me, there's been plenty of shit that's been on the calendar that's gotten moved back and moved back and moved back. But the question was like, In that instance where I'm your accountability partner, what am I supposed to say or do because you've moved it twice? And now as we're talking about accountability partnership with, you know, just being more active and stuff like that, I'm like, okay, we need to figure out what that means before we start anything. Well, I think that's part of, that's it though, right? I think like when you are entering into an accountability partnership with an individual, like there needs to be a a I don't want to say scene setting but like a, a a a base level like introductory conversation that like when I say accountability like this is what I need from you and then also like what are the I hmm, do I want to say that yeah I'm gonna say that I feel like there should be consequences maybe not consequences but like what what are the ways that 
you know, you not following through, right. You not following through with whatever you're supposed to do. Like what is the, 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 pun, the quote unquote punishment, right. Or what is the, the thing that like you have to now I think consequence adjust. sounds better or like. Sure. I, consequence, con- I mean, ramifications. Consequence always we has could, a negative connotation. Yeah, sure. We could do the whole th- thesaurus. It don't matter. They all mean the same damn thing. Um, connotation, denotation, would it, re- would it say in the dictionary is the same thing. And so what are those um, things is, I think, important to yeah. detail. That's, that's good. I think that I, when I was asked to do it, I was like, okay. And then I didn't think about what would happen if things changed. And so now... And again, like, it's not really a huge deal to me, but now that I'm thinking about doing this, I'm like, what should I be asking for here? Or what what should I be thinking about? I like to, th- I, I think I mean, of, uh, for me, I think of, like, my whole relationship to the gym type situation, right? Where I have a gym membership. I've had a gym membership for entirely too long, Um but I have not necessarily been going to the gym that entire duration that I've had this, you know, um, membership. And to me, the consequence, the ramification, whatever of that is that I'm paying these people my free money, right? And so, like, I have to be comfortable with that if I don't go, you know, and make use of the services. And I feel like in an accountability partnership, there, even if you're just trying to be accountable to yourself, right? Maybe it doesn't involve another individual, but there has to be something and not in a, I think it's important to note, right? That like, it's not about punishing per se, right? But it is about, I think, taking stock of what your commitment level is to whatever you're saying that you need some sort of accountability attached to. So you said this and even our producer, Laura Swisher, is saying the same thing about money, right? And so I have found that money has never been an effective incentive for me. Like, because, and I, and I want to be clear, like, it's not from the perspective of like, oh, I have money and like, because it's not that. It's more so like once the money is already spent, it's like, well, I'm, it's not like they're going to give it back to me if I don't go. You know what I mean? And so that because I've paid expensive gym memberships, I've paid less expensive gym memberships. And the money part of it has never made me go to the gym more or less than the other. So what what? what what then can be put into place and i know like your situation isn't necessarily t- attached to going physically to a gym but like what can be put in place in your life that you do care about that might galvanize or catalyze you to like get up and move cuz i also remember you talking about like the whole like fitbit and apple watch thing and like how they're sp- they give you little notices that you need to get up and moving and stuff like that how that also And i'm just annoyed was- by that. <laughs> <laughs> like it'll be like i mean anyone that has an apple watch probably knows this but um at the end of the day oh you just got an apple watch too but like at the end of the day it'll be like you can still make it and i'm like Bitch, I'm on the couch. <laughs> like, I'm not going to still make shit. I have made right? all that and I'm so, going to make. Okay, honey? Listen, if I ain't made it, I ain't making it. And so <laughs> I, I don't know what that thing is. I'm trying to... I have to figure out what it is. Because I'm. it's not going to be like, oh, I can't watch TV. Because I'm going to be like, bitch, who's making the rules around here? Or, you know, I can't do... so. I don't know. I have to figure out what it is. But, like... I want to start like changing my food, changing like and just getting better about the stuff that I've been doing because I've just been 
eating terribly and like not moving and stuff like that. And I don't even have like a weight that I'm trying to get to or a size that I want to be, but like I need to feel better. I wonder if it might be useful to then kind of just like reorient the idea of like accountability partnership and like maybe, maybe it's, maybe it's a, like, like if you and I, for example, were to agree that like three times a week, we're going to go to the Culver City Steps together, right? And we put it oh. in our calendar. I feel like, I wonder if something like that, when, when, when your physical activity is legitimately tied to another individual's physical activity, if that might be um, some sort of motivating well- factor. Yeah, I can tell you that, like, Swish is saying, like, what about competition? And, like, I'm not a competitive enough person for that to be me effective either. for me either. But the the thing that I have been saying to myself is I think at the top of the year I'm going to get a trainer. And I think that if I know that there's a person waiting on me, then I will do it. And, like, I, that's a, a big part of why, like, um, you know as well as anyone what. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I have a, a, a point well, about the trainer thing. You know as well as as anyone. Like I have, I work on a lot of different projects at any given time. But I've no, I've known about myself that partnering with someone keeps me accountable to each of those projects. And so, I know that having someone else waiting on me or expecting me or needing something from me is it helps with accountability. But it's not like the the thing. Yeah, I was just gonna say on the whole uh, trainer thing. I also did the trainer thing for a period of time through my gym. Um, And, you know, it was great while it lasted. But I'm also that girl who's like, girl, I'm not doing that exercise. You need to find another one. Like, what did you mean? Like, oh, no. (laughs) You can't. (laughs) Or, you know, you you can't be telling the the trainer no. (laughs) Yes, you can. You can say no to whomever you want. Okay, I pay. I pay for this. Okay, you said consent, bitch. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> let's let's take a quick break. I would love to hear from y'all what you think, um, how you're handling accountability partnership as we're coming into the new year soon. Everybody's gonna do their new you, new new year, new you bullshit. Get your life. Um, but let us know what y'all think. Use the hashtag #FantiFam on Twitter and Instagram because. Um, I feel like I need some help with this. When we come back, we're talking about the respect of our elders and why that is some bullshit. Bullshit. (laughs) We'll be right back. Who doesn't want to get the best gift giver ever titled this holiday season? Uncommon Goods has unique and creative gifts, often handmade by independent artists and makers, and they have gift guides to help you match the right gift to the right person. I've told y'all about the mini vase that I have at my house that I got from Uncommon Goods that's so cute for those random flowers that you pick up, you know, on the side of the street or whatever. But I also recently got these um, glasses that are made from recycled wine bottles. And so it's it's basically the bottom portion of a wine bottle that's been cut off. And there's a set of four of them. They're really great. I've been sipping out my drink out of them, all right? And so if you want your own new glasses to add to your collection, you can get those at Uncommon Goods, all right? Who knows what the holiday shopping will look like this season? There's all these delays and stuff happening. But you can get you some unique gifts at Uncommon Goods. They sell out fast, so make sure you shop now and get it taken care of early. Uncommon 
and Goods looks for products that are high quality, unique, and often handmade or made in the U.S. They have the most meaningful, out-of-the-ordinary gifts anywhere, so you can make sure, right, you can be guaranteed that the people you're giving gifts to don't already have this, okay? To get 15% off your next gift, go to UncommonGoods.com slash Fanti. That's UncommonGoods.com slash Fanti for 15% off. Don't miss out on this limited time offer. Uncommon Goods, we're all out of the ordinary. By now, you've probably seen about a thousand gift guides for the holiday season. Gifts for moms, gifts for guys, gifts for your neighbor's cousin's dog. You could study all of those gift guides and shop at 10 different places, or you could just start by shopping at Raycon and get the gift that everyone will use, Raycon wireless earbuds. Raycons give you amazing audio quality wherever you go, whether you use them to pump up, wind down, to work, to work out, and they start at half the price of other premium audio brands. I'm a person who loves to have on an earbud. I love to be able to walk around the house and talk on the phone. I love to be able to uh, go out and take walks and all of those things are so much better when you have a wireless earbud. With their latest model, you get three new sound profiles to make sure everything you're listening to sounds its best and with just the right amount of bass. Raycons are available in five stylish colors, so you can pick a perfect one for everyone on your list. The holidays are coming up faster than you think, so now is the time to knock out that gift list and avoid the last-minute shipping scramble, especially because right now our listeners will get 15% off site-wide with the code HOLIDAY at buyraycon.com slash fanti. Go to buyraycon.com slash fanti and use code HOLIDAY to get 15% off um, the entire Raycon order. Buyraycon.com slash Fanti. Welcome back, beautiful people. So I am sure you've heard the saying, respect your elders. When I was younger, I once responded to this retort from an older person in the family. It takes respect to get respect. The next thing I remember is waking up in the ICU at Roper Hospital in Charleston, South Carolina. <laughs> I'm just kidding. That, that did not that. happen. That did not happen. But Honey, the white people are going to be so mad. There's going to be a Reddit thread. You know what you have done. You know what you have done. Okay, that was just a joke. But it is true that... I feel, especially in black households, you are expected to pay deference to the elders of the family. No matter how much bullshit and trauma they cause for you, you must always mind your manners. Because we don't do that yelling or cursing or even simply talking back to parent-type folks that some of you white people seem to do. So I know some of the white people are like, what are you talking about? So to illustrate what I mean... Take a listen to this video I found on YouTube. First, you'll hear a white kid talking to their parent. Don't talk while I'm talking, bitch. Josh. And then you'll hear a black kid imitating how white kids talk to their parents to their black parent. Oh, hey, shut the oh, fuck hold up. on, bitch. Stop all this fucking cussing. Who the hell is you talking about? Baby, when I tell you, it makes me cringe to just hear people talk like white kids do that with their parents. I can't even like, it makes me go bananas. I mean, that's your trauma speaking. Uh (laughs) (laughs) That's what it is. (laughs) 
So for today. You're right. You're right. It's a trauma response. <laughs> so for today, we're going to delve into this concept of respect your elders. What that means, why it has a hold on our people, and how perhaps we might still respect our elders or not, but still stand up for ourselves. So I know you have our our like opening scene setting question. Go for it. I want to know, like, what remnants of that, like, still show up for you? And I'll give you an example of mine. I still feel really awkward about talking to people who are, like, 50, 60 years old and not calling them Miss or Mr. But I also know that, like, I'm 36 years old and that starts to feel weird. But it's, like, a very respect Hmm. your elders kind of thing. Do you have any of those things where you feel like... I still do this because of this kind of like respect thing that we do in the black community. I think for me, it shows up in yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Specifically. Like I don't, I don't really Mm. do the, the, the Mr. Mrs. thing. I think that is probably part of my, you know, non-binary fuck the gender, blah, 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 blah Mm. type of thing. Um, but yes, ma'am, and yes, sir, even in a in a like degendered type of way, like I'll say yes, ma'am, to you, or I'll say yes, I'll say yes, ma'am, to a variety of different types of people, regardless of what their their actual gender is. Same thing with yes, sir, or no, sir. Um, and so I think, but I think the root of that is this idea of respect and like using those types mm. of of labels or honorifics or whatever to to show one's like deference or respect to to particular individuals. I also wonder how much of that is just like a southern thing as as well. Like in in addition to the 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 black of it all. So I mean I number one, I think I feel this more with older black people. Yeah. And I think it has something to do with having to always have done that with older black people, right? But I don't know, like, what the rule is anymore. And I know, like, we always talk about you being from South Carolina and me being from California. But, like, my grandparents were from, you know, the South. And so, like, we still have, like, a lot of that Southern shit in our family, right? Like, mm-hmm. my grandparents were from the South and from the Midwest. And so, like, I still am kind of used to that kind of a thing. But anyway, as we move into the fan and the anti of it, I want to just say that first things first, no Iggy. I feel pretty confidently (laughs) that black folks have like this unique attachment to respect that is distinctly different than like our white counterparts and maybe even other racial groups as well, racial and ethnic groups, because I know that respect is a different thing in different cultures. But I think that for black folks is really rooted in enslavement, like our attachment to being respected. You know what I mean? Put some respect on my name kind of thing. I think it's rooted in that. So say more, say more. Well, like, I think the way that Black people tend to demand respect of others has a lot to do with, like, having been oppressed for so long, right? And having to, like, fight for everything that you get and having to, you know, show up in all kinds of different kinds of ways. And I think that even, like... I'm trying to think about like when I when I'm in in the city or whatever, right? The people that are like yelling that they are due respect mm-hmm. oftentimes are people who feel the least respected, right? Like mm. Oprah's not walking around telling people to respect her, right? <laughs> but like the man on the corner who's been wronged by X person is going to probably be the person yelling that like you better res- you better put some respect on my name or like show some respect or whatever. And so I think that black folks mm. have a unique attachment to it. And I don't even know that that is like a fan or an anti for me, but it is something that I've always thought about when it came to black folks and respect. 
Well, when you bring up like the the history of enslavement, right? Like I'm I immediately go to the idea that like Mr. and Mrs. and Miss weren't words afforded to black folks, right? Yeah. They they were words res- reserved for white folks, right? And we were from black folks. Fr- from black folks, right? And we were we were boys. We were girls. Our humanity was regarded in such a way that, like, the the types of titles that a Mr. or a Mrs. or even a Miss, um, bes- that type of, of respect that those things bestow upon an individual wasn't extended to our folks, right? And yes. I wonder about the ways in which that type of external violence might be repackaged in black homes and in black communities right so like the white man is not going to respect me but you my child are going to respect me right exactly i think about that a lot um recently uh i was thinking about how first families of churches Mm. reference the the pastor or the the wife or you know what i mean Mm -hmm. and like i was thinking about how on greenleaf they all reference him as Bishop, right? Or, like, some of them are daddy and stuff like that. But, like, mm-hmm. Mrs. Greenlee, or, or the first lady, always reference him as, references him as Bishop unless she's, like, pissed at him. Right. And, like, I know that that is a, a thing that is consistent in black church, right? Everyone ref- references the pastor as pastor. It's a way that, which part of why I feel like I have really had a lot of issues within church because I feel like it's a place that we get to make our own hierarchy and, like, it has to be respected, and like i feel like that is another element of that right wanting to be respected in your in your household in a certain kind of way that other people don't necessarily care so much about this also makes me think of the ways in which like other honorifics are are supposed to convey like respect or like a an adherence or like a, a recognition of accomplishment Right. So like doctor or Esquire, like or doctor, like doctor in particular. Right. Like it is it is super important for me. Um, we had John Paul on the show. And every time I talk about John Paul, I make sure I say Dr. John Paul because that motherfucker got that Ph.D., honey. All right. And like yes. so that comes to mind. But particularly in the context of like our elders, I wonder if it's necessary to define or or make a difference between like elder and elderly like elder as in elderly versus elder as in just older right because like Mm. in one way you jared are my elder and i don't say that in a a, you know joking or like rude way but like you are older than me technically but what 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 would even necessitate or you know some other eight uh, being an elder is it just being a year older? Well, so that's my that's the thing though, right? Like I I think that because when when it comes to this conversation about and I'm a, I'm a little bit into the anti FYI not on purpose, but when mm. I when I think about how we define elders, I also recognize like you know like some of the ways with like older folks in your family who say shit or do shit that's like deeply problematic, and you're just like. They fucking old. You know, like, mm. I, like I'm not even going to push back against it. I'm not, I may not say anything. Can't teach a dog, you know, old dog, new tricks type of, of approach to things. And how 
age is also supposed to be like synonymous in some ways with like life experience. And because of said life experience, then, you know, one is is supposed to pay deference to whatever that individual says. I don't know if I'm making sense. Well, so, no, I mean, because, like, I think also to some degree, age is also becomes synonymous with a, a level of infallibility, right? Mm, Where it's mm-hmm. just like they can get away with anything. I mean, this conversation for you and I was stemmed out of like a conversation that we were having with friends, right? Yeah. Where someone, where an older person had said something at Thanksgiving and it was just like, what do I even say to that? You know what I mean? Like, I'm just, but you know, oh, this person is older and they kind of get away with stuff like that. And I will tell you that even if I'm thinking about my parents, I don't know where we are in the fan or the anti, but this is interesting. Um, <laughs> but like the, with my parents, I remember the first time that me and my mom had an argument at, with me as an adult, right? It was my first year being away at college. And like, we were going back and forth on the phone about something that I, I couldn't tell you what it was now. But like, she got really upset. And she just hung up the phone. Like she hung up on me. And like, I know that my mom specifically takes hanging up on a person really, really seriously. Yeah, right? like that is really offensive to her. But then when she did it to me, that ended up becoming an argument for us, right? And so I called her back and I was like, oh, is this a, is that okay now? Like, we can do that? And she was like, well, I said I was getting off the phone. And I said, but that's not what we do, right? Like, that would not... So it would be okay for me if I said I'm getting off the phone and hung up. And it was the first time that I had, like, a conversation about respect with my parents in the way that it was like... I'm an adult and you have to respect me as one just as I have to respect you as my, as an adult and as my parent. Does that make yeah. sense? It, it makes perfect sense. And it, and it gets me to thinking about the ways in which like, as we have this conversation and even in the ways that we, you know, might push back against various elders or whatever in, in our own personal communities is that like the way that we have defined respect is tethered to some of these things that it shouldn't be, right? So in order to respect someone, oftentimes you can't push back. You can't say no. You can't disagree. And it's like me disagreeing with you has nothing to do with respect or no respect, right? Me disagreeing is me disagreeing, right? Now my tone mm-hmm. might be related to respect, right? The, 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 and, and maybe tone is the only thing in my head right now that I can think of as a sign of legitimate disrespect, right? Or cursing. Cursing's another big one in, in mm-hmm. b- black households that I've seen in particular, right? There, there are, there are black folks older than us who won't curse in front of their parents, right? I won't curse in front of my parents, you know? Like, and, and what does that say? I slipped something in at Thanksgiving to see if I could get away with it, and I did, and I was like, mm. <laughs> right? I, I, said, I was saying to my mom something about how X thing happens, and then I'm the asshole if I don't da 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 da. And like, if you just keep running right on through it, like <laughs> act like it didn't happen. You got to keep and moving. Then I was like, that's the thing, though. You right, got to keep like, going. Don't stop. Did I just say that? 
Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, but of the things, because we're supposed to be in a fan and an anti, but this is, like I said, has gotten it's kind devolved. of interesting. Um, I, and I, as I'm speaking at my mom, I did this, these posts, usually when I go home, I do a bunch of posts that are storytelling of, of like things that have happened with my family and this time was no different. And so, um, one of them was about me trying to move through the house early in the morning and the whole alarm goes off and it was horrifying. And another one was about these tasks that I always have to do when I go home. Right. Mm. And so I had written up this thing and I, my mom ended up texting me later and was like, I don't like this. This was too far. You need to be more thoughtful about what you say. And I was like, oh, wow. I didn't know that you would feel that way about this specific thing. And I was like, if you want me to take it down, I'm, I'm more than willing to take it down. Um, and so I did. But mm. like, I would not normally take something down for someone, right? Because they didn't like something that I said. And like, now it's like a th- that was like a thing of respect for me, right? Like if that is my mom, this post is not that serious for me. Like that does not have to be an issue for us, right? So it was out of respect mm-hmm. for that relationship, and like it's something that I feel like I'm going to have to think about and deal with more and more because of all of the different things that I'm doing and trying to figure out like how to navigate that. So much of it feels like, and not speaking directly to your situation, but to this broader conversation that we're having, so much of it feels like we, it it feels, you know what's interesting? (laughs) Uh I vividly remember being, being younger and always having something to say. Yes. Okay. Like I, I was that kid who always had a response, not not as it was perceived because I wanted to be disrespectful. Or was trying because, to be grown. Right, or because I'm trying to be grown, but because I'm a smart motherfucker and I'm a free-thinking woman, you know? I'm just imagining you at eight years old saying, I'm a free-thinking woman! <laughs> but I remember being reprimanded time and time again for that, right? And the ways in which that type of reprimanding masked as or or perceived as, you know, a a a retort to some sort of respect that I did not extend, how that has influenced right my thoughts about like what res- what respect is, what it particular and I'm thinking now in like a professional context, right? Mm-hmm. When I am pushing back on whatever, right, may be presented to me in some of these situations and how all of us, based on the ways that we were raised as it relates to this this thing about respect, how we carry that into these other sectors of our lives un- unwittingly, right? Um, and how we end up still being just kind of buried under that perspective and under that thought and how it doesn't really service us. It also doesn't service, right, our our parents or our elder folk, right? Because you deciding to take that post down because your mother expressed some sort of discomfort, like that is a sign of respect, as you said. But you, in the event that you decided to push back or in the event that you decided to say no, that shouldn't automatically be seen as a sign of disrespect. Sure, sure. No, I mean, I think that's a really interesting good point. I, the pushback where you began, right? The pushback is not disrespectful. It's like the way that it's done. 
would be could be seen as disrespectful. You know, they, they used to say it's not what you say, it's how you, how say, you say it type it. of right. thing. I, I mean, they still say it. Um, they don't just, <laughs> but like, I I think that that tends to be the case is like the how you say it. It's the tone. It's the the intention behind that response, and that's something I feel like I'm going to be thinking more about. I remember watching Respect, right, um, the Aretha Franklin biopic. Um, with Jennifer Hudson, mm. and like I can't remember what was the catalyst to the song "Respect," and you probably remember better than me. But I remember thinking about this whole thing again about Black folks' need for, or desire for, want for, um, appeal to uh, respect, and that it's just something that will be on my mind for a while now. I'm sure. You know, it's one of the things I'm thinking about is that that retort that I mentioned in my intro that I still say right that like. Uh, you got to give respect to get respect, right? And the idea that like, it seems like so many, many people, and I'm going to broaden this and say so many people feel like there is, like they are due respect because they're your parent, because they are your caregiver of some sort, just because, right? Um, As opposed to demonstrating in some sort of way that like, Maybe you deserve respect because you give me respect, but, which is also interesting to say because I'm also thinking at the same time about like how perhaps we should be res- extending respect to, to everyone, right, as a means of, of, of humanity and not necessarily just like as a representation or a, a, a showing of one's status. I wrote this down in our in our meeting yesterday that like every person is due human decency respect, right? But like not every elder is worthy of like elder respect. <laughs> in my opinion. I mean, you get like some respect because you're a human being, because you are a family member, because, you know, insert shit here. But like, nigga, you've been trash. And I'm not giving you that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like for certain people or the ways that they've treated you over the years or the things that they represent in culture. Like Donald Trump is not due my respect, right? And I mean, mm-hmm. that is an mm-hmm. old white man who I feel like has been awful for this country and awful for the world. And like him, I don't have to go in any further than that. But like- Yeah, don't do it for like, Don't do but it there for are plenty of <laughs> Right. There are plenty of people who I'm like, you are due respect as a human being, but even that feels eroded some days because of the ways that people behave or the things that they do in in, in the world and how they have an impact in the world. Um, and so it's like, just because you are old or older doesn't always afford you like the full suite of respect, right? Like you get the human decency right. thing, but you don't get the the deference. You don't get the I'm gonna watch my mouth around you package. Like, honey, there's a there's a rewards package, if you will, honey. You gotta earn some stars, goddamn it. Right. I I, I I'm interested in this idea of the this spectrum. Of respect, if you will, if that's what we're going to to call it. I like the idea of it being packages. <laughs> <laughs> but what I'm, what I'm saying is that, like, this idea of, like, human decency type mm-hmm. of respect on one hand, and then this, like, you know, historical, p- historically problematic, like, the, the type of respect that we first started out talking about, which is, like, you know... You get knocked up inside the head, but, like, you can't hit them back. And, yes, I'm talking about family members and whatnot. You can't Mm -hmm. hit them back because of respect. 
Mm. Right? The, 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 that seems to be like the, the spectrum. Can I stop you? Okay, go ahead. I can't think of a person in my family who would hit me and not get hit back. Like, my mom would not hit me right now, right? I got weapons when I was a kid and all that shit, but like, my mom would not like slap me or, you know what I mean? In a serious mm-hmm. way. And I'm trying to think of who in my family would not get it. And like, if you strike me, it's a problem, right? I, I can't think of who could hit me right now. And I mean, there's nobody higher than my mama, my grandma. You know what I mean? Like, and like, neither one of them would do that. And I just, I'm, I'm trying to think of who wouldn't get that smoke. Like, what? You know, my mama got a ticky ticky boom boom. So <laughs> I think that, you know, she might, she, she might still pick up something and lodge it my way. You know, mm. but it it would be, it wouldn't be like the conversations that we have now around what is respectful and what is not respectful are different than the conversations that we, we would have had when I was younger. Right. I am a grown ass motherfucker. I pay my bills and a little bit of your bills, too. The, the, the relationship is right, different. has shifted. Exactly. It is different and it has shifted. But. I, I can see my mama still knocking me upside the head in the event that I did something that, you know, was a violation of some sort just because, you know, she she she's a special woman. Um, I just think that of- said that said, though, my dad. Now, if I'm trying to think like if it's my dad or my uncle or a cousin or something, but like at this point, any grown man that would hit me is trying to fight right like you're not doing it to tell me to go to my room or you know put that down you're trying to fight me at this point and like especially with men but also i'm trying to think of like who would do it like seriously sure in jest right but like i can't think of that like i don't know anybody that gets that package of respect well, you know, it, one thing, one interesting story that I will share is that, like, you know, me and my dad are rebuilding mm-hmm. our relationship. And because he hasn't been present throughout the, the journey of my life, mm-hmm. his conception of what is respect mm-hmm. is different than mine. Right? Like, he still believes that I shouldn't talk back. He believes that I can't call him out on, you know, certain type of foolishness. He believes that I can't ask certain types of questions. And Mm. I just vehemently disagree and I ask him anyway. But that difference in an understanding of what is respect is something that constantly shifts and changes based on my station, based on his station, based on everybody else's station, right? And so it's something that seemingly has to constantly be, like, negotiated in terms of, like, the definition of what is and what is not. And then we, you know, once once we figure out that negotiation, then we're able to proceed from there. Does that make sense? Yeah, and I mean... I, I was joking about packages earlier, but if if we are thinking about it on a spectrum of, like, being earned, right? Like, there's a, a level of respect that everyone should get as a baseline. They can fall beneath that when they Donald Trump. But, like, if they are someone who is a parent, 
you know, you get an extra number of stars. If they are someone who has, you know, done X things for you and all that kind of stuff, like, that's that's extra respect. If they, you know, are the pastor of the such and such, that's another element of respect. But, like, we don't have enough appreciation for how that has to be earned, especially with family members. Mm. Um, but, mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm, I... Mm-hmm. You gotta show me. I will respect you if you are respecting me. Right. And and there is a gradation, 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 gradation. whatever there th- that word of of what respect looks like. Right. Um, graduated. OK. All right, girl. <laughs> we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to get into an Ask Fanti, a piece of advice. But we want to know what y'all think about this conversation. Hit us up on Twitter and Instagram. Our handle is at Fanti Podcast. Use the hashtag Fanti Fam. My gut tells me y'all have a lot of thoughts and feelings. Um, and I think we've had two Reddit threads. Let's see if we can go for the third. Um, when we come back, Ask Fanti. No, let's not. <laughs> Hello! I'm Pee Wee Herman. You might know me from TV, but I really want to be a DJ. It took some convincing, but KCRW finally agreed to give me an hour on the radio to play you some music with my friends. (laughs) Anyway, tune in for one hour of the bestest, most funnest time you'll ever have on the Pee Wee Herman Radio Hour. I am personally inviting you to tune your transistor radio in to hear me or go to kcrw.com. Duh. (laughs) It'll be available for the whole week from November 26th to December 3rd. So you can listen to it again and again and again and again and again. Pee Wee Herman Radio Hour was produced by Maximum Fun and can be streamed on KCRW.com until December 3rd. Hi, I'm Joe Firestone. And I'm Manolo Moreno. And we host After Game Show, a podcast where listeners submit games and we play them regardless of quality with a dozen listeners from around the world. We've had folks call in from as far as Sweden, South Africa, and the Philippines. Here's an example. Uh, This is a game we've played called Cotton Candy Chicken Nuggets, where you have to sing any eight-syllable phrase to the tune of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. You have an example, Manolo? Yeah, here's one. Little baby turkey turnips. Oh, nice. Thanks. Dr. Game Show has new episodes every other Wednesday on Maximum Fun. Check us out. Please. Alrighty, welcome back to Fanti, folks. We're going to get into our Ask Fanti segment, okay? This is an opportunity for those of y'all out there. If you got a question that you would like to hear Jared and I's response to a little bit of advice, you can send that to us in, you know, you can send it on social media in any one of the DMs on social media, as well as emailing us at fanti at maximumfun.org. This DM from Twitter comes from Tess. I'm going to... We're not going to say your last name just in case, because you know, my God. Um, But this comes from Tess. And Tess says, 
Love the show okay. and you all. I wondered if I could ask for some advice. My wife and I are raising her little sister who is mixed. She is one of the only black people in her school and her school is in the outskirts of the city. The other day, her teacher said the N-word and shortly after said an indigenous slur as well. My wife is livid. I am livid. This man has no reason to ever voice these words. We have reached out to the principal and sent emails, but as two white people, I at least find it hard to articulate to these people the importance of change in this area. My kid has been upset since it happened, literally FaceTimed my wife during school because she was so upset. The teacher wants to speak with her about it, and we do not think that is appropriate one-on-one. This fucking school district is not diverse at all. I don't know if y'all have any advice. We would really appreciate it. Thanks for everything you do. Now, this was sent a few weeks ago, so I hope we're not too late to give you some some thoughts. But go for it, Jared. Oh, this is one that you found uh, that you were like, oh, sorry, we missed this. I think this is something where you have to go in and have a conversation about the difficulty of how hard this is for you. I mean, and I have to get all Brene Brown on your ass, but I think that it's very much like a be vulnerable kind of thing and say like, this is a really difficult thing for us to talk about. This weekend while I was at Thanksgiving or this past week while I was away at Thanksgiving, I ended up having like a conversation about race with a couple of white people. And it was interesting because we were discussing race and talking about how our experiences as black folks has been and stuff like that. To be clear, my brother's girlfriend is white and her she had like a white friend at like this night thing that we went to. And so we were talking about it and I something had come up in that conversation and I was like, it really irked me, but I didn't respond to it in the moment. And I was like, I need to sit for a moment and decide how I'm going to talk, how I'm going to handle this. And then I did come back later and say, I feel like it's particularly white that you did this thing, right? And But, like, I said it love in love and care. But, like, I think that the vulnerability of saying to the person, like, this is hard for me to figure out how to address with you, but this thing is a problem for me, I think is what you have to do with this teacher and this principal and go back and say, like, this is a very difficult, sensitive situation because we are white people raising a black child in a very white school and trying to do the best that we can by this child. Because talking with white people about how they address race, um, someone just said to me this weekend, he was like, oh, the hardest times that I have with people having conversations about racial issues is when white people are correcting me, right? And this is a white man saying this. And I was like, yes, that's the whole, the whole idea of like, we need white people to be out there doing anti-racist work. And I think that as white people talking to white people in this situation, y'all need to have a conversation about how difficult addressing this is for you and then addressing the issue. Does that make sense? I, uh, yes, it makes sense. But, not but. Yes, it makes sense, period. Ellipses. <laughs> and... <laughs> That that is one approach I that you know might be effective. I mean, you could also run up there and who ride, right? Like, I mean, there's some bullshit ways to do it too. But it is tough for me to sit here and tell white people how and why, and you know, the, the ways they should approach having these types of conversations with other white people because because I just don't care about one's comfort level. 
both the white people who have written this letter to us as well as the white teachers comfort level, right? Because your approach that you just said, what that does is that tries to kind of establish some sort of emotional resonance with the other white person in the situation. And I think that can be very effective, but it's just hard for me in, in this noggin over here. Because for me, I think that while yes, it is uncomfortable, y'all have to push through that discomfort. Absolutely. I actually feel like you got to take that discomfort, put that discomfort on the side, and you come back to her later. Because it's not just about your mixed child. It's also about the other children of color, even though it might be a handful, right, that are in that particular community, as well as the white kids who some, I'm sure, hopefully, crossing my fingers, Mm -hmm. also took issue with it. I wonder if there's a way to connect with other parents, perhaps, of other kids, um, so that it doesn't end up being the white parents mm. of the black child are up in arms about it, but actually a collective of parents, regardless of their their race or their children's race, are concerned and need to, to voice their discontent. So that might be an, another option as a way to, to deal with it. I like that. And Laura agrees. Well, shout out, shout out to Laura. Laura Swisher. <laughs> and so, yeah, that's where my head is at. And I think either approach, and there might be a collective of, of both of these approach, right? Maybe you take this vulnerable step that you're talking about, Jared, and you extend that in conversation with the other parents. Because I feel like parents, mm. the nature of being a parent sometimes builds in solidarity, And if you can talk to another parent about your struggles as a parent to your child, Mm -hmm. I feel like that's something that I hear parents say helps them bond and shit. And so maybe that's a way to to extend that approach that you're talking about. And then y'all collectively roll up on the professor, on the teacher or something like that. Yeah. No, I feel like we've given plenty of options. You know, we'll see what happens. Laura's right here. She says, if the teacher is ignorant, it's a teachable moment. If racist, you got to go. Which actually kind of touches on my first dishonorable mention. So it's now time for dishonorable mentions. These are the stories or people that caught our attention this week and deserve a call either for their good or for their stupid. My first dishonorable mention is going to Iona Prep, a school in New York. They recently lost one of their star athletes, Tony Humphrey, who's a 16-year-old, uh, I believe, baseball player who has already been recruited for college athletics from his performance at the school. In the offseason, though, Tony has decided that he wanted to join the track team. The assistant athletic director asked him why he was making this choice. This is what Tony told their local news there about what the associate director said to him. Just trying to get faster, it never hurts to gain speed. And he questioned, said, oh, aren't you already fast as is? I go, yeah. And then he tells me that that I gained that speed from running from the police. That's how I gained that speed. You heard that and thought what? That was racist. There was no reason for him to say that. So uh, Tony went home, told his parents about the situation, and has transferred out of the school. And they have left. They have lost this star athlete from their school. And I'm just like, it's, it's funny that our advice question was so, you know, closely related, I guess, um, about someone saying something crazy. But like, it's just kind of mind blowing to me sometimes that we are still in 2021 dealing stuff with stuff like this. But then other days it's not mind blowing to me at all because I feel like things are getting to a different kind of point than they've been in a long time. The real problem that I have here, aside from the racism, because, you know, racism ruins everything. I 
am really concerned because the educator in the situation was allowed to resign. And I'm positive because they have not like uh, identified this teacher out in the world, like they haven't said the educator's name. This teacher or, or coach or athletic director is probably gonna go to somewhere else and go teach and be the same racist asshole that he was here over there. My second uh, thing is gonna be an honorable mention. I wanna give it to Brandon Kyle Goodman, the air queer non-binary black person whose pilot just got picked up to lead the spinoff of Big Mouth. The spinoff is titled Human Resources. If you guys watch Big Mouth on uh, Netflix, um, it's a hilarious animated show. And so very excited for Brandon um, to get that opportunity. I want to give two other quick things here as honorable mentions. One, The Daily from Tuesday. If all of y'all are thinking about the Omicron, Omicron um, variant for the uh, for COVID-19, the Tuesday episode of The Daily from the New York Times is a really, really fantastic episode kind of explaining what is happening right now with the variant. What? I just want to say that of all the podcasts that you want to highlight about their conversations on a micron, you ain't did the other one I co-host. What a Day podcast also had a really great episode <laughs> about the micron. It wasn't on Thursday. <laughs> you mean Tuesday? If you know what I mean. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> Lastly, I want to give a shout out. Right before I got on the air here, uh, a friend of mine sent a musician to me and they were like, oh, check out this song and check out this song. And they are two black musicians. Um, they're, I think the as a band, they're called Lewis York and their uh, album is called American Griots. It is so good. And I've just started listening to it right before the show and I'll be listening to it when we get done. But check it out. It came out in 2019. Again, it's Lewis, L-O-U-I-S. Lewis York, the album is called American Griots and it's amazing. So go check it out. They not gonna go check it out. You know, I always wonder when we tell people to go check out TV shows or music or whatever, if people mm -hmm. actually go do it. And I don't think y'all do. But my first honorable mention is also something that you need to check yeah. out. <laughs> It is a TV show on HBO Max. I feel like we be we be pimping out HBO Max, but listen, the content is the content. Listen. Okay? But there's this new show on HBO Max that everybody needs to check out called Sort Of, S-O-R-T-O-F, Sort Of. It is a show created by Bilal. Oh. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna butcher Bilal's last name, but Bilal and Fab Filippo. The series stars Bilal as um, Sabi, um, who's this non-binary millennial trying to balance like they, their own individual life, but they're also a nanny for these white folks. They work at this LGBTQ bookstore. It's a Toronto. Actually, I don't. I can't remember if it's based in Toronto, but it is Canadian, and it's just so good. I haven't seen like a non-binary character on TV like this. It is a great, great, great television show, and it's a comedy, so it's lighthearted. It's beautiful. So check that out, sort of, on HBO Max. And then lastly, I have an honorable mention. I stumbled on an Instagram post over the weekend for this this organization, this this happening event happening called Black on the Block. And Black on the Block is a monthly pop-up event where they have like over a hundred plus black vendors, different types of vendors. They have food vendors. They have, you know, candles and clothes and socks and body butters and like anything that you might be looking for. I went to it. It was in Pasadena um, this past weekend. It was 
beautiful one to just see so many black folks in Pasadena that probably never happens and then two to see <laughs> all of these different probably scared some people that part right to see all of these different you know black creatives selling their work and so shout out to them their IG handle we'll make sure to have it in the show notes but it is black x the block T-H-E-B-L-O-C-K. Black X The Block. Check them out. Follow them, particularly if you're in the L.A. area. And now it is time for Black History is Happening Every Day. So keeping in line with this episode of Respecting Your Elders, here's another elder whose name you need to put some respect on in case you are not familiar. I'm talking about Lee Elder. Lee Elder was the first African-American. That's what the New York Times say, but y'all know I say black. But he was the first, but he might not have been the first black. I mean, he might have just been the first African-American. So let me just read the New York Times. Ooh, okay. Look at God. <laughs> Lee Elder, who was the first, he was the first African-American golfer to play in the Masters Tournament, breaking the racial barrier on the pro golf tour. He did it. He did it. He did it first. Okay. Shout out to the people who know that reference. Anyway, he died over the weekend here in California at 86. Seven, so I just wanted to lift him up. We speak your name. <laughs> you are so extra. But if you I are... Love, I love <laughs> We Speak Your Name. It's one of my favorite things. A mess. If you are interested in learning more about him, we'll link to um, the New York Times obituary that they wrote on him um, so you all can check that out. All right, we're getting really close to pissing off Laura with how long we've been going. So let's wrap this up. If this conversation piqued your interest uh, and you want more of this... <laughs> Check out the episode that we did on chicken. As I was thinking about what, what goes here with Sam Sanders that we did on, I think it's called Why Black People Don't Eat Chicken in Front of White People. Something like that. Something like that, yes. It was a really great conversation that I felt like also had themes about respect and that kind of a thing. So go back and check out that episode. It is from April last year. It's episode 10. We ask that if you are listening on Apple Podcasts, that you give us a five-star rating, leave us a review, let us know what you love about the show. If you have a comment or suggestion about this week's show, we are on social media at Fanti Podcast on Instagram and Twitter. Use the hashtag FantiFam for your comments, or you can shoot us an email at Fanti at MaximumFun.org. And as always, if you would like to support, and by support, we mean become a financially contributing member of the Fanti fam, you can do that at MaximumFun.org slash join. Hopefully some of y'all did it for Black Friday, gave us some of your Black Friday coins. You probably didn't, but that's all right too. Our music is brought to you as always by the one and only Corey's. that's C-O-R dot E-C-E, and our graphics are brought to you by the wonderful folks over at Moonhouse Creative, led by Ashley Wen. Our producers are Laura Swisher. Okay, girl, cut it out. <laughs> and Lorraine Wee. This is a production of Maximum Fun. They need to add period to the end of the, you know, the maximum fun little sound that they have. Period. Anyway. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. 
Artist owned. Audience supported. Period. <laughs> <laughs>